done, so if you can go to your seats, and we'll get into the message tonight. We're in Job chapter 42, Job chapter 42, that is the last chapter, but this isn't our last night in Job, we're going to take this, this chapter, you know, spend a little time with it, because we uh, want to, uh, such, you know, this is... <laughs> The conclusion, right? So it kind of it pulls it all together, and I want to look at what some of it has to say. But like the police ask when they're investigating something, what were you doing on the night of November 10th, 2021? Anybody remember? I always wonder, how are you supposed to answer that question? I couldn't remember last week. And they ask something, you know, oh, what were you doing this night in April? But on November 10th, 2021... If you were where you should have been, you heard the first message, intro to Job. Okay, so uh, we're almost a year in, and uh, now we're finishing it up, hopefully. So we, all, we, we, we finished just shy of a year, but November 10th, 2021 is when we started. Now, um, the conclusions found in this chapter, uh, God has just talked to Job, and it was not pleasant uh, what he said to Job. Talked to him about creation. Uh, he is, it's been, it's, it, it's unexpected because when we are suffering and God finally speaks, the, he breaks through, we expect to get some reason for it. That didn't happen. Uh, J- God is dealing with Job. He is not explaining himself at all. So it could have been a little bit frustrating. It was not pleasant for him to hear in the beginning. Now, I read this illustration. A woman went to a doctor's office where she was seen by one of the new doctors. It's kind of a hometown doctor's office. After about four minutes in the exam room, she burst out screaming as she ran down the hall. An older doctor, one that had been around her and knew her, stopped her and asked what the problem was, and she told him her story. After listening, he had her sit down, told her to relax in this other room, and he marched down the hallway, grabbed that first doctor who was new, uh, and he demanded, what is the matter with you, he said. Mrs. Terry is 63 years old. She has four grown children and seven grandchildren. And you told her she's pregnant? The new doctor continued to ride on his clipboard like nothing big was going on. And he said, does she still have the hiccups? No, she didn't have the hiccups anymore. He got rid of those. Uh, Sometimes what we hear is not pleasant, but it helps us out. You ever been there? Sometimes the things that we hear, we don't enjoy, but it's what we need to hear. And this was what was happening with Job. This is what God speaking to Job did. Uh, He let him see himself, let him see God. We'll look at that a little bit more. Now, if man would have written this book of Job, man would have written it differently. But man didn't write it, God wrote it. So uh, that's why we we would have obviously concluded with explaining why Job was afflicted. You know, it never happens. All this complaining throughout the whole book of Job. We've been talking about it for a year. And he never explains it. Let's read a couple of verses. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and will declare, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself, by the way, always the response to seeing him. All right, 
when we hear and see who God for who He is, this is always the response. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Father, help us tonight as we look at some of these verses. Uh, apply these to our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, there, the book starts out an uh, issue between God and Satan, uh, but this is not how the book ends. The uh, first thing that our text focuses on in this last chapter of Job is the improvement of his character. When we face trials, when we face trouble in our life, we ought to sometimes look at the result as much as the reason. We like the reason. We want to see the reason. We want to see why. That's a, everybody's first question. Something bad happens, why? In fact, I don't know how, I can't count how many times I've had distraught people sitting across my desk and that's the question they ask me, why? Why did God do this? Remember a, a young man about, uh, well, he was about 19 when he was talking to me then, but when he was uh, 16, his mom died. He asked, he asked me, why? Why did God take my, if God loves me, why did he take my mom? I don't know. That's above my pay grade, you understand. But people want to know why. We, we all do when trouble comes. So one great result, again, this is the reason, or the result, not the reason, but one great result was a great strengthening of Job's character. He recognized some truths about God. And this trial resulted in improving his character because of what he now recognized about God. And because God often kills two birds with one stone. He, his, uh, his actions accomplish many purposes. And uh, so it was with Job's trouble here. First of all, Job proved to Satan what God had said. He did not forsake God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? If God ever and Satan ever make a bet on you, don't you hope you back God up on it? And uh, that's what Job did. And, and without knowing it, uh, he, he stayed faithful to God. But the troubles had another purpose. God still used, even though Satan brought them, God allowed them, then God used those troubles to refine Job's character. The first part of this last chapter focuses on this improvement. Job was already a great man of God. The greatest in the East, the Bible says. <coughs> then God, like a jeweler, polished him just a little more. Spent some time with him. And now Job will sparkle even more. Look, let's look at the four recognitions. Look at verse 2. The first one we see is a recognition about deity. I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. What God had just said about creation, asking Job all those questions, had a very positive effect on Job, concerning God's power. Job recognizes two things about God's power here. The first is the proficiency. Thou canst do everything. Uh, he met, not only made the earth and the universe, but he controls it. He just demonstrated this to Job. And we need to recognize the, con uh, the, or the extent of God's power. Because often when trials come, we think God can't or doesn't have the power to help us out of them or to help us through them. Or, or we have a financial need and we act and pray like God's broke. He's not broke. He's not deficient of power. He can get us, he can give us what we need to go through our trials. And so the, he says this, God can't do everything. We need to have that recognition in our life as well. And then the prevalence of his power. No thought can be withholden from thee. On the surface, this looks like he's talking about the omniscience of God. Omniscience meaning, uh, or the omnipresence and omniscience. God's everywhere. He knows everything. This is true, but not really what's being said here. The word thought 
is translated from a Hebrew word meaning to a plan or a purpose. And the word translated with holden means to thwart or hinder. So the statement really originally means there is no purpose or plan of God that can be stopped. Hallelujah. That's good stuff, isn't it? God's purposes can't be stopped, cannot be withholden. Uh, the, the, uh, this is a follow-up statement about the previous point of God's omnipotence. God is so powerful that He can do anything He wants. That's a proficiency of His power, the first part of verse 1. God is so powerful that nothing can stop Him. That's the prevalence of His power, the second part of verse 1. Job recognized that. Secondly, he rec uh, rec a recognition about declarations. Look at verse 3. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Job quoted that God, or what God said about Elihu in chapter 38 verse 2, and he applied it to himself. He shows the uh, defection of his speech, uh, speech, defectiveness I should say, of his speech and declaration in three different ways. He said I, he lacked perceptiveness to speak. I uttered that I understood not. How many times do we do that? Um, one word. Twitter. <laughs> you ever see anybody on Twitter uttering about things they understand not? Only about everything you see on there. Um, we talk, we do that a lot of times. Job talked about things he didn't even understand. Like Peter who spoke in Luke 9.33, not knowing what he said. But it didn't stop him from saying it, right? Just because we have nothing to say does not usually stop us from saying it. And uh, we need to be careful with that. Job uh, understands this. And how can you help others understand something if you don't understand it? If, we don't, if you don't understand what you're talking about, you should not try to teach others to help them understand. That's why I don't teach trigonometry, the, the study of rocks. That's what trigonometry is, right? Uh, I, I don't teach trigonometry because I don't understand it. All right, so I want nothing to do with it. He lacked perceptiveness. He lacked proficiency. I uttered things too wonderful for me. This uh, wonderful involves difficulty in understanding. He's saying there is too wonderful for me to even. I didn't. I don't get those things. He lacked uh, the ability to explain the subject. And uh, we need to be careful. You know, there's some subjects in the Bible today that are still very important, uh, very difficult to explain. Um, if, I don't want to start something, but the, the sovereignty of God versus the free will of man. Try to explain that one. You know, we all have our, you have Calvinists on one side, and, you know, then you got the, all the way on the other side, and, you know, where, where we end up somewhere in the middle, maybe, or whatever that is, uh, people get, they, they, can, they can argue all day about that, those kind of things. And those are some difficult things to understand sometimes. Uh, and we need to be careful that we stay, with the book. By the way, I wanted to say something before I started. <coughs> I was uh, in the middle of my blessing when Pastor Forsberg interrupted me and, and went on talking, so I'll finish it now. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, so, mention some of the calls I had this week. I had two people um, come in this week, and it's really neat. These are people that are, if I knew, said their names, you'd know them. I mean, they're, they're, they're established people in town. And they just... Uh, Hearing about stuff going on at Bible Baptist, just want to come in and chat for a little bit and talk. You know, and I've got friends that are coming here and they just really rave about this place. And I go to this church here, but I've been hearing these different things. And so uh, that's a blessing, isn't it? When our church has an impact in the community and people are hearing about uh, some things that are happening, um, that is, uh, that's a good thing for us to be uh, involved in. But 
we need, one of the things what reminded me of that, I was, I was telling him one of our desires, or our desire, main desire here, is to preach the Bible. We're not trying to promote agendas. We're not trying to begin new belief systems or build a personal kingdom here. We just want to preach the Bible. And you know what happens when a guy gets into the pulpit and just opens the Bible and preaches the Bible? It draws people because people are drawn to the truth. Sometimes they don't even know it. I'm thinking of two guys in our church right now. They're not here tonight, but they come pretty faithfully on Sunday morning. And uh, they, they came, uh, one of them for about three months, one of them for about four months, uh, came not, they were unsaved. They were not saved. But they were drawn to the truth of the gospel. And God got a hold of their heart and both walked the aisle at different times. Both got saved and uh, are following the Lord now, doing right. Uh, the, the truth has a draw for people. That's what we ought to be uh, uh, working toward. He lacked the particulars to speak. I uttered which I knew not. He didn't have all the facts. Listen, friends, we never have all the facts when we have trouble, when we have trials. We never have all the facts. We think we do, but when we suffer, and we've all suffered, we don't have all the facts. There's some things we don't know. Satan, God didn't know, uh, sorry, Job did not know conversation between Satan and God. He didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. He didn't know why this was happening to him. He didn't know the tremendous testimony that he had by staying with the stuff despite difficulty because he didn't have all the facts. One of the things we don't have is the facts about tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen. You know, I mean, the Graham family, they're going through right now. I mean, three, you know, two deaths the family and one looming, you know, it's a, it's a tough thing. And we don't know why those things happen, but we, we don't have all the facts yet. We don't know what God's going to do tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen down the road. And so he lacked particulars. It behooves us to be careful then, uh, not to get angry, not to lose our testimony when going gets tough. The third recognition was about deficiency. Look at verse number four. Here I beseech thee and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. <clears throat> Another thing that Job recognized here was his deficiency in the knowledge of God. Uh, he pled, he pleads with God here to correct this. He was polite about it. Here I beseech thee. Beseech is the Old Testament word for please. <laughs> I beseech thee. Please, he said. Uh, help me to understand. Uh, this, and by the way, the word demand in this context, it doesn't, it simply means to ask. It's not how we would Say, so I demand you this or that. This is a, in the context, he's just asking. And uh, he says, I will demand of thee, declare thou unto me. His purpose in this question or this plea here is so that he might learn. He senses his own deficiency. And he, def he senses the lack of spiritual knowledge that he has, and he wants to know more. Here is our problem. We so very seldom sense our own deficiencies. Because we usually think we got it figured out. We got the answers. It's other people that don't have the answers. I know what's going on. Job is wise enough to know, I don't have the answers, Lord. Help me. I'm asking you, please, help me to understand. And we all have this deficiency. The problem is we don't recognize it. We ought to be like the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 18. Open thou mine eyes, uh, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Because there are things we don't understand. We don't have the whole picture. 
I like, I've used it before, illustration on Sunday morning, but uh, the puzzle, puzzle pieces, if you dump a, uh, you like puzzles? Other people put puzzles together. All right, so you, you dump the puzzle out on the table, and then you, you, know, you start flipping the pieces all around. And, and uh, if you didn't have the picture on the box, man, you'd be lost. It helps. It still doesn't help that much. Hate those puzzles where like 90% of it is a sky, you know, and you got like all this blue and, uh, you know, those, that, that's a lot of help. But, but, uh, the, the, the thing is, our life is these little puzzle pieces and we've got, we're trying to find the place for them. And, you know, you, you, you think maybe over here this fits and I'll make it fit. But God's got the whole picture. We don't have the whole picture. We just have the pieces and we got to trust him. We got to trust him that, Hey, I, I, I'm going to put this over here. And not, this is going to hurt. This is going to be painful. Trust me, because I got the picture. I got the whole picture, and, I'm, and it's going to be a beautiful picture when we're done. It's just not always pleasant getting to that. And we got to recognize that. That's what Job understood. I'm deficient. I don't get it. There's things I don't understand. And there's things, friend, you don't understand either in the troubles that you go through. Look at the, uh, fourthly, the recognition about discernment. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. This is verse 5, sorry. But now mine eye seeth thee. Heareth, seeth, this is figurative language. Job didn't actually see God with his physical eyes, but after he heard from God, his knowledge was so increased that now he, he it's like he's went from just hearing something to seeing it. He understands it now. He, I, I grasp it, what you're saying. And uh, this, is a, this is a blessing that we see Job finally gets it, and he's starting to understand it. Look at the next recognition about depravity. Verse 6, Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Wherefore, it takes us back to the previous verse. Wherefore, or therefore, you always look at what it's there for. And uh, the reason this is there, wherefore is therefore, is the verse that just happened. Did I confuse you yet? Uh, takes us back to the previous verse. Uh, he, he understood. I see it now. I get it, Lord. Wherefore, I abhor myself. Because this is growth in his life. And when we see God, we, we get a good glimpse of who he is. We understand who we are. We're not going to have a positive view of ourselves. When your life is focused on you, and it's all about your agenda, and you're pressing your agenda, then, then all your focus is here. When you get a good look at God, you understand that I abhor myself. Uh, he, what did he say? Remember last week we talked about I am vile. That was his first, ex his, Job had a self-esteem problem. Uh, that's just fine, because he, had a, he, was, he was good on the God esteem, and we need to work on God esteem rather than self-esteem. Uh, so, his knowledge was contained, and I have heard thee by the hearing of the ear. Verse 5, after God spoke to Job, but now mine eye seeth thee. And when we get a look at God Almighty, it greatly affects our view of ourself. Wherefore, I abhor myself. Remember when Peter, he was kind of frustrated because Jesus used his boat to preach out of, and, and they're tired, they'd fished all night, and Peter, you know, it's, it's tough. I did it last Saturday night. Drove most of the night, didn't get home till three in the morning, and I don't feel like doing much, okay? I didn't even feel like smiling at all you guys on Sunday morning. It was a little bit of a chore, okay? So it was tough <laughs> until I got home and got to sleep in the afternoon. But, but, uh, so Peter worked all night, and, uh, now Jesus, 
And then Jesus, after he used his boat to preach, Jesus said, go out and launch out and throw your nets again. We just cleaned them up. We fished all night long. I want to go home and go to bed. So go and, and so, uh, <coughs> fine, fine, Lord, he says. It's, it's worthless, but because you say so at your request, I'll throw down the net. They caught all those fish. The net broke. What Peter did, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Why? He saw who he was. And when he saw who he was, he saw who he was not. And it, when we get a picture of who God is and his abilities and his power and his wisdom, it'll make us see us, our own selves, for what we are. It takes us away from our own agendas. And they would do what Peter did. Prophet Isaiah, he saw the holiness of God. And he said in Isaiah 6, 5, Woe is me, for I am undone. By the way, he had spent six chapters preaching. He was the preacher. He was talking about everybody else's problems. You know what he saw, said when he saw God? Woe is me. I am undone. I am the wicked one. No longer was he preaching about the wickedness of others. He saw his own wickedness and his own sin. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. The better we know God, the better we see ourselves. That's why it's important we're in this book. Because uh, if not, we're going to get a warped view of ourselves. We're going to be agenda-driven rather than letting God grow us. I abhor myself, he said. He said, I repent. This word here means to, to regret, to grieve over something. It involves a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of purpose, a change of conduct. I repent. I'm not who I was. I see this now, Lord. He did more than just hear the message of God. He acted on the message. He applied it into his life. I repent in dust and ashes. This involves putting, it's the equivalent today of putting black on to mourn. It was a way of letting people know that they are mourning and and uh, it reflected Job's change of mind. His conduct verified his confession. How many people today, they confess one thing, they live a different way. But Job backed it up. And some people may put on dust and ashes today, figuratively speaking, but their life doesn't change, their conduct doesn't change, and they're not living for God on the outs or the inside. And this is hypocrisy. That's what the Pharisees' problem was in the New Testament. But Job had a change on the inside, and it showed on the outside. At the end of Job's trial, uh, God had something to say about the three friends of Job. Now, we're not going to get into that tonight. We're going to get into that next week. Uh, but uh, had what God said was not complimentary. By the way, had the chapter ended in verse 6, where we're going to end tonight, wherefore I abhor myself, repent in dust and ashes, everything would be different. But uh, his three friends were hearing this. Remember, his three friends are off to his side hearing all this. And what they're saying... Yeah, you get him, God. That's right. We've been trying to tell him. He hasn't been listening. We've been trying to tell him all his problems. Remember, God's working on his gem. They're not gems. They're not worth his time. God's working on Job because he's a precious gem and he's making him come forth greater than gold. And now God's going to turn and deal with them. And uh, by the way, what a great testimony of Job that he stayed faithful, ending strong, so much better than beginning strong. One of my obsessions in my life, the more the older I get and the more time goes by is I want to end strong. I don't want to end bad. I don't want to have to, you know, work, work, start and, and live and work and minister in the middle of my life and then end bad. I want to end strong the way Job did here. 
Many people start good, but they don't finish well. And we see that all throughout the Bible. In fact, uh, Dr. J. Robert Clinton, he was a professor at Fuller Seminary, did an in-depth study in the Bible. And he found that male leadership in the Bible, only 30% finished well. I mean, we're talking all Moses, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, all, all the male leaders in the Bible, 30% ended well. Uh, the odds are against us in finishing well. And, and I hope that's your desire as well as it is mine. It behooves us to finish strong. Uh, Dr. Clinton continues for Christian leaders. He offers six factors that contribute to leadership failure or not finishing well. I'll give you these six very quickly here. Leaders quit learning and growing. When you quit learning and growing in your Christian life, uh, contentment is a killer. We have got to constantly be learning and trying to grow in our Christian life. If you're not, if you're not learning, you're not living. Uh, you're dying slowly. We ought to never be satisfied with what we know. We always ought to be wanting to learn more. If you're not willing to learn, no one can help you. If you're determined to learn, no one can stop you. It's your choice. If you're not growing, you're dying. Always be growing in some area in your life. Secondly, character weakness. Character weakness will destroy it. We won't finish strong if there's a character weakness. D.L. Moody said character is what you are in the dark. Uh, Henry William Hershey Davis talks about reputation versus character. We, we put, a, By the way, we put a lot of work into our reputation, don't we? Uh, that's what we do with our profiles on social media. Beth, filters. I hate filters like I hate the devil. I hate filters. Be who you are or don't throw a stinking picture up. Everybody knows you don't have those dots on your face in that perfectly symmetrical way. I hate filters. But boy, we do filters today. Why? Because we're trying to build on our reputation. Look better than we are and, and be better than we are. Reputation is what you're supposed to be. Character is what you are. Reputation is what you have when you come to a new community. Character is what you have when you go away. Reputation is made in a moment. Character is built in a lifetime. Reputation grows like a mushroom. Character grows like an oak. Your reputation is learned in an hour. Your character does not come to light for a year and sometimes years. A single newspaper report can give you your reputation. A life of toil will give you your character. Reputation makes you rich or makes you poor. Character makes you happy or makes you miserable. Reputation is what men say about you on your tombstone. Character is what angels say about you before the throne of God. Reputation is what men think you are. Character is what God knows you to be. We ought to pay more attention to our character than our reputation. Amen? Because it's what's important. And so, that's a way that we fail in finishing strong. Like Job finished strong, we fail because of character. This is a way of leaping. Leaders fails, character weakness. So quit learning and growing, character weakness. <clears throat> Leaders stop living according to their convictions. That's a tough one. When you start a slide down of what you've always believed and taught, you start sliding from your convictions. Leaders stop living and leading for the sake of long term and they settle for the short term. Big, big mistake. We do this in our life. We ought to live. We just finished, graduated another lady from discipleship tonight. Praise the Lord. Uh, but on our last lesson, we talked about the judgment seat of Christ. And we just talked about this. 
how important it is for us to live in light of eternity. We've got to live for the long term. If Job lived for the short term, he'd have given up. Why? He's sitting in ashes, scraping sores on his body. His kids have been killed. His fortune is gone. His wife's forsaken him. Everything's, everything's gone. If he'd have been looking at just the now, he'd have totally given up. We look beyond it. We can't live for the short term. We've got to live for the long term. Live for eternity. Okay? That's what we have to live for. Leaders, number five, forget their influence and purpose. Uh, always realize that uh, somebody's watching, and somebody's watching Job too, his three friends and others, seeing what he was going through. People will watch you in your valleys, and uh, your, your best sermon you'll ever preach is you in the valley. How you respond, how you react in times of trouble. And then finally, number six, leaders who end poorly lose their relationship with God. That's perhaps one of the most important ones. You lose the relationship with Him, and you'll start to go down the wrong path. And so, let's. Uh, there's just some thoughts I had. They're kind of finishing up because I saw uh, that just struck me that Job. Here we are in the last chapter, and Job finished strong. I love it. That's my desire. Hope it is yours as well. Thank you, Father.